0: Welcome to our August Empower Women podcast episode, Feeding My Soul, from luxury ventils in Paris to a non farm feeding the hungry in Maine. This month we were joined by Erica Berman, co-founder of Veggies to Table, a 501c3 nonprofit grow to donate farm to feed the hungry. In this episode, Erica talks about moving to Maine from Paris, changing her direction at the age of 49, and creating a new life more meaningful to her soul. Erica's story is inspiring for those looking to make a big change at any stage of life. We hope you enjoy. So thank you so much for having me here. Thank you, Lexington Wealth, and thank you, everyone who is here. I know how busy we all are. So I I thought I'd just give you sort of a little introduction of what I hope to share with you today. But what... I hope to share with you is my personal journey of, you know, growing up in Lexington, Massachusetts and moving to Paris, France, where I lived for 20 years and built three successful businesses and um, then from the ground up in France. And then 10 years ago, I moved back to the US to Maine and ended up creating this nonprofit 501c3 farm of which I am the executive director and head farmer, um, so it's kind of an interesting hat to wear, um, two hats to wear, um, while I still have one of the the Paris businesses, which I'll, I'll talk to you about, and sort of how it is possible to change direction. You know, I don't want to say too much later in life, but you know I was. 48, when I changed my direction um, and find a path that was more meaningful to me um, and to my soul. Um, And I'm so happy to be doing what I'm doing. Everyone always says, you know, you move from Paris to Maine, but I love it. I love being here. Um, So, so again, you know, from Paris to Maine and vacation rentals, which I'll get into, to a grow to donate farm in Maine, because the not well and I will get into exactly what we we do in in Maine. um, But everything we have this the farm, everything we grow, we donate to people who are hungry in our community. But I will get to that I thought I would start with the beginnings. and. Um, you know, it's just so nice to be with Lexington Wealth because my beginnings were in Lexington. Uh, I was born in Lexington and my parents are still in Lexington and Berman's Wine and Spirits, my parents' business. it been in our family since 1909, Berman's Wine and Spirits. So it's it's a long time. Um, I, you know, after Lexington, I ended up majoring at Syracuse University and just to give you a little background in journalism and psychology and then I ended up going to the Middlebury College summer immersion immersion language program where I learned French um, because I just wanted to make sure I had a second language and so then At the age of 23, I moved to Paris. Now you'll know exactly how old I am in 1993, (laughs) when you're not supposed to share that, but (laughs) there you go. Um, uh, And um, I moved there sort of thinking that I would stay six months to a year to learn French and ended up staying 20 years, a really long time. Uh, I ended up finding a love of renovating and decorating. I, I actually I put in here. I bought my apartment. I bought. I bought four apartments over the years in in Paris, which sort of maybe got me into. You know, the first one sort of got me into my first business that I created, which was a vacation rental company. So I don't know. I love that kind of renovating and decorating but I so I was doing a little bit of that I you know, when I first moved to Paris, I was a student, I had no idea what I was doing, but I quickly met a partner and we got into working but in my my personal side, I um, was there for quite a while before I met Alain, my my French husband, Um, he I met him in 2004. Um, We I traveled a, a lot around Europe and France and Italy and ate a lot of great food. And I, um, you know, I, um, I learned to speak Italian as well as French because I just loved Italy so much. And Helene and I got married in 2012. So there, there we are sort of traveling around and, you know, as at our wedding in 2012 in Paris, but that's just sort of, I just wanted to give you a little background. I, you know, I grew up in the States, moved to Paris, learned languages, and then I, in the midst of living in Paris, ended up founding my first vacation rental business, uh, which I had with a French partner for 20 years. It was creating from the ground up, uh, we built a website we were we we're doing it even before like we were like putting ads in alumni magazines and sending photos there was really no there were none of the websites that are out there now and um so we you know I, I did that with my partner for 20 for 10 years and then um I ended up Creating my own business, um, which is called was called Haven in Paris, uh, and then I became Haven in because we went from representing Paris to also representing properties in Provence and Tuscany and London. And in the, the meantime, I also created a cultural blog on Paris called Hip Paris, which I still curate and have a team that's in Paris that I'm in touch with all the time. And it's, it's quite popular and it creates a lot of joy and information on traveling in Paris. And in the midst of all that, I managed to buy four of my own apartments of which I still do own two um, and rent out long-term since I'm here in Maine. Uh, and, you know, living in France and the challenges of living in France, I loved it, and I don't regret it at all. And, you know, creating businesses in another country, probably, um, you know, it, it, it um, was probably similar to here, but I didn't do it here, but it did create, create a good groundwork for me um, moving back here and ending up doing what I'm doing. So at a certain point, Alain, my French husband decided that he no longer, he he never wanted to live in Paris. He wasn't living in Paris. And when I met him, but he got, as he likes to say, stuck living in Paris with me. And every year for eight years, he would complain about living in Paris. And so finally, we I told him that we were moving to Maine. So we moved to Maine and he has seen the light. He loves it. He loves living here. And we moved here in 2012, shortly after we got married. Um, And we um, really like the, the idea was we didn't, we weren't really sure what we were going to be doing. I still had my vacation rental business, and we ended up buying beautiful land and building a house, but we ended up with the house that we adore, and we were gardening, and we have chickens, and I mean, I went from living in the center of Paris to having 50 chickens, and it was, it was a big change, but one that we just, we really just loved. Um, and at a certain point, I realized, not knowing what I would be doing, um, I ended up selling my vacation rental business because the challenges of it, uh, there's a lot of regulation, reglementation in Paris, and it became very tricky. So I, I sold the business and kept my blog. And that gave me sort of the space, um, personal space to um, start exploring. And in the mean, what that I would like to do, which I I really didn't have a plan at the time. And in the meantime, Who's, he's a marathon runner. He he ran a marathon and he donated funds. He found out how he found he heard some numbers on how bad food security was in Maine, and he he decided to donate the funds to the summer lunch program for children during the summer, and that sort of got us on our mission of starting this nonprofit farm, um, which is called veggies to table. And it basically everything we do, we do because we realize just we we ate so much great food. We always are eating great food. We love food. We can't imagine you know how I mean I feel grumpy when I'm hungry for five minutes. Forget having to be hungry every day. And and so when we figured out how bad things were in Maine. And we had this beautiful piece of land. We don't have children. We wanted to create something that would invite the community onto our land and give back to our community. So we um, created veggies to table, and our mission is to grow top quality organic produce um, and uh, donate all of it. We don't ever sell our produce. We don't. Donate all of it to people who are experiencing hunger, and we also donate a lot of flowers to create what we call flower joy, Um, because if you can't afford food well you're not going to be able to afford flowers so. Um, and in the midst of COVID and, and everything that's gone on, the connections that we're creating on the farm through our volunteer program and through the places we donate have been truly a gift um, and beautiful. So, and we do a lot of education on the farm as well. Um, I thought, you know, I, would, I don't want to spend too long on statistics, but what sort of broke our heart, and, and I still can't truly grasp is that one in five kids in Maine, and you know, it's the same all, all over the United States, but Maine is particularly bad for food security. One in five kids don't have enough food to eat every day. Um, you know, it's one in seven adults, but one in five children in the schools, it's up to 50%, but the, you know, it's around 43% of kids rely on the free school meals. So when you think that three kids out of 15 uh, or eight out of 40 are hungry um, you know in a classroom, it's uh, it's what made it's what touched our hearts and what got us to start down this road of this nonprofit and um, it's interesting,
1: Erica how like your love you know your love of food and just your life journeys and then Alan kind of, finding out that information from his passions led you to this and like I I just just hearing some of these numbers it's staggering um you know I guess you don't really realize it right so it's just amazing that you guys got to do what you love and now you're helping so many people
0: yeah we didn't really i mean really alan heard an npr show on food security that's like we we had no idea and i mean you know i don't mean you know it's like you just you wouldn't because people who are food insecure they look just like me and you i mean you wouldn't notice that they were food insecure you you know there's no way to to know it in your daily life um unless you're you know going to a food pantry i guess um and so When we found out, we just, we couldn't believe it. And so we feel really strongly about the the top quality organic produce. Like, you know, if you've lost the ability to do one of life's basic functions of feeding yourself, we feel like we want to feed people beautiful top quality organic produce and not just sort of the dregs, you know? So really everything we donate is so... Beautiful. Um, and we we really um the farm is run by, well, you know, we do a ton of education, you know, as I mentioned, creating these connections. And our farm, we have a farmer. Um, we have me, and we, you know, but we're run with volunteers. We have s- Every, you know, we have so many volunteers. Right now on the farm, I think there's eight people out there working and a farmer. And um, we, the volunteers come from a lot from the local community and they range in age from 10 is our youngest volunteer. And she is amazing, better than some of the adults, honestly. And then we have people up into their 80s volunteering. Um, we have local students and um, interns from local schools and colleges, and then we work with a program called Woof USA. We get woofers, which are, are um, they're basically unpaid workers in exchange for food and lodging. And we have created a whole structure on the farm for the people who work here and live here. We have an off the grid kitchen and bathroom shower we have platforms in the woods that they live on it's kind of like glamping but for woofers um, and me. right now we have three people living on the farm two people living at the neighbors our two french nephews are here we, it's there's always a it's a hub of activity and it, it's just beautiful because in this sort of really isolating time We've created this amazing community like one of our volunteers has a house on an island and she invited all the woofers and us out to this island and it's just it's created these beautiful connections beautiful food and beautiful connections. We are in Maine we're in Maine are you? We're in Newcastle uh, right now in Newcastle um, so we're about two and a half three hours from Lexington depending and if well, it could be like five hours if you're going up on a Friday, but um it's uh yeah, so mid Maine.
1: And can students who I, I know you mentioned students, can students who are doing like farming coursework um come to you for a sort of like an internship type thing?
0: Yeah, we've had students, you know, we you know it depends on the age and the ability, but yes, we love we love having students on the farm. Um yeah, you know, one of the things we need to do is build some real housing but yes we would um, we love we love having I love having ch- children and kids and students it's just so enriching and then they take that back to their families to the classroom um, and all of that um, you know I thought I did put a little thing in here because it's always interesting like how are we doing all of this and really how we are doing all of this? Um, we grants, donations, corporate. but what I didn't put up there, aside from those three things, is I do sell flowers, so we've been doing, so. I give away most of our flowers, but I sell flowers, um, and, and we're doing a bunch of flower pop-ups, and then I, we have some merchandise that we sell, but really we're mostly grant donations and corporate sponsors. Everyone wants to buy our veggies, but they cannot.
1: <laughs> and, that, and that's to the, vet, uh, the veggies to org.
0: Yep, yep, and I will definitely, I will, I've got that at the end, but yes, the website is veggies to org. And anyone who wants, um, you know, if it, any more information can always reach out to me. But I, I have all that that information too in here. Um, but yes, veggies to table dot org. Um, I wanted to just put on here briefly where we donate. Um, we donate to over thirty local organizations. We donate to all the you know kind of places you would imagine: pantries, schools, the summer lunch programs. Because when they're in school, they're getting food at school, but in the summer they need food and then after school programs those are more educational because we're really into the education as well um sharing tables are just tables that are left around our community for people uh, to take food no questions asked and then obviously low-income housing families the why and we give our food to hospitals, but we also give our flowers. We gave our flowers last summer to, and this summer to the hospitals, to the supermarket workers, you know, like just to thank them for, I mean, to me, just the fact that these people are doing the work that they were doing during COVID and giving, letting us do the things that we need to do in our life it makes me want to cry because I could not have gone into hand to the supermarket every day and worked or the hospital it's, you know it, it's so we really wanted to thank them like you know so aside the flower joy piece which we kind of call our flower program has become such a big part of veggies to table you know a because you're not going to be able to afford flowers if you can't afford food but a you know some of these people could afford flowers but we wanted to thank them um we're really hitting a lot and we're really just uber local. I mean, you know, I mean, even just uber locally, we're not hitting all of the, you know, there's just such a need. And I think right now with all the cost increases, the need has, you know, really it's greater than ever. Um, So I thought I would just put a few numbers in here, um, in our first three seasons, we've are and we're in, we're in our fourth season now. We're really at the beginning of the harvesting of the season. You know, we're getting into the the, the crops. The tomatoes are ripening, and we've got some. You know, we grow a lot of different crops. So, um, what? But we have donated over thirty three thousand pounds of food, and that's prop They have a number in the way you calculate. Wow. It yeah that's that's crazy. It's a lot of food. Um, you said you said, wait, twenty seven. How many thousands of meals? well, they the calculation is this the the calculation that they do in the food security world makes it twenty seven thousand five hundred meals. So
1: oh, that's um, amazing.
0: Thank you. Um, yeah, never enough, but we're trying to grow more. Um, and, um, and approximately 40,000 flower stems, which is about 2000 bouquets of flower joy. Um, So that's uh, great. Yeah, um, we yeah. Um, And I I put some, these are some dahlias and a lot of the flower, you know, some pictures of the flowers we grow and me and Elaine on the farm. And these are cute kids at the Y with our produce and one of the after school programs. And that photo here is the farm from above a couple of years ago it's it's bigger now um but we grow i'd say it's over 200 kinds of fruit veggies and flowers i mean it's a we have a real diversity which is really important to me to just show how much is possible it gives us a lot more work, but it also just is so much more interesting to me. I mean, to me, that's super, super important—the diversity and just showing what's possible.
1: Erica, one of our listeners asked a question about how do we help in the winter time? Like, what happens in the winter time?
0: So, in the winter, what we've done—the one thing that we've done, you know, because you know we're donating basically June through November um we got a grant a few a couple years ago and have just finished a cold storage unit and we can store some of the the storage crops in there so we can donate a bit longer into the winter but it's hard i mean fresh produce can only you know it does last all winter if you had enough like you know i literally had my carrots from last year and parsnips and garlic and shallots some of it lasts through the winter but It's tough and maybe
1: like I remember my grandmother used to do the canning and you know Mm -hmm. we do like the tomatoes and the cucumbers and we'd be canning when we were little so I guess that's possible.
0: Yeah, one of the things we, you know, I would say I don't even have it on there, but a future future plan, I mean, we've talked about it with Alan, you know, my husband, because we love so much cooking and all that would be to eventually build like a commercial kitchen and teach people how to can and dehydrate and preserve their food and and we do a bit of that on the farm already with our volunteers. We make sauerkraut and you know, we, we preserve and can, but that would be something that would get the food way further, but that is is a goal, but I didn't even put it on my near distant future plan, <laughs> but it, it is something that would be great to think of because the winters, it's tough. It's tough for the fresh organic produce, definitely. Um, and I think some of the local supermarkets donate sort of their seconds, which is
2: something, but um, yeah.
0: Um, you, we... Could you get local f-
2: apples, for instance, with cold storage much more? Could you get local farmers to donate some to you for storage over the winter or any of the other fruits? Um, Don't have them donate part of their
0: crop? Is that possible? yeah we do work with some local farmers and last year we actually we harvested over a thousand pounds of apples and we did we stored them and we actually made cider and we froze it and we donated the apples and saved them so yes we are definitely like you know we, we do have some apple trees and um you know it's we definitely are into collaborating with with local farmers to increase the volume because with the building we have, we have room to store more produce. Uh, Last year, I had another local farmer, he donated some potatoes. Um, So we are very into the collaborating and increasing our output for sure. Um, So that's an excellent question. Um, You know, and, and I just, I put on here, you know, future, oh, and I see. there's a typo. I was at the last minute. I was changing things around on here, but anyways, future plans, um you know, get more children and people of all ages visiting the farm because seeing what's possible and um, just showing people around is always a joy. Um, and then, you know, we are looking. we're fundraising to get more donations so that we can one of the things is to build if we had a greenhouse we don't have a greenhouse now if we had a greenhouse we would be able to extend our season you can grow a lot of things in a greenhouse um, that you can extend by a couple months uh, sort of at the end of the season and start at least a month earlier at the beginning of the season so that is something we really really want to do they're very expensive because you need to have a well and you need to excavate and you need to set put a whole propane system in there and all of that so that's one of the things we're attempting to do and then we you know some of the things we want to have cabins for for volunteers because what we have now it's camping on platforms so like to get the volunteers we need that we don't really have a living in the uh, like cooler months so really we're, that's one of the things we're looking to do too and we have quite a lot of deer eating our crops this year like quite a lot and a porcupine that we got yesterday and raccoons and groundhogs and all your usual suspects but we, we need deer fencing um, and you know we really I feel really strongly about paying our team a fair wage farmers aren't paid well um, so that's one of the thing we're fundraising for as well and of course our goal is the more we can sort of expand and our increase, extend our season. We will be able to grow and donate more for those in need, which are the, you know, really one in five kids and one in seven adults, and then more flowers for more joy. People, it's it's wonderful now, people are like contacting me and asking like, can you donate to, you know, various places? I mean, we really, really enjoy the flower piece as well. But, um, you know, people could volunteer on the farm, of course. But there's also a lot of behind the scenes volunteering that I think people don't realize with the nonprofit, you know, whether it's helping bring in corporate sponsors, helping we do zoom events, like helping, you know, editing, writing grants, there's a lot of things that people with various skills can do behind the scenes, because not everybody wants to be on a farm. I get that. Um, and of course, the obvious things of donating, um, but um, we, we um, and, and then of course, everyone can, I, I, like, I like Instagram a lot. I post a lot on Instagram and Facebook and have a very infrequent newsletter, maybe once or twice a month at the most. And then, of course, visiting the farm is you know one of the the best ways to see exactly what we're doing. Um, But um, you know, I just wanted to sort of you know say that what I thought was important for this talk today is that you know showing like how my journey went from. Massachusetts to Paris and the experience that I gained in Paris really led me to where I'm at today. And I would have never been able to do what I'm doing today.
1: Maybe, you know, if people think they would like to, um, you know, be inspired by you and do something like this, or what are the things that you know now that, you know, if you knew now you would do differently or
0: um, honestly, I mean, the thing is, you know, everyone, like when we first moved here, we didn't know we would want to stay and if we would love it or not. So we actually, we rented a place for six months and we sublet my apartment at her apartment in Paris. And so we, we didn't just jump. We didn't just say we're definitely leaving, you know, we, yeah. we we decided, and we we had been coming slowly, slowly for like, the we could, we came in the winter for a number of years to see, like we wanted to test the waters. We didn't just decide one day we're leaving Paris and moving to Maine. We tested the waters um, in terms of the career piece of it. Um, it kind of fell into place. And I know that sounds so strange Silly and I hear other people saying that, you know, but I did, did, but what fell into place was me learning what my passions were. So, and, and making the, I guess it's making the space like, and then when I say space, I mean like mental space, you know, I was able to sell my business, which was weighing me down and I had, and I, my mother will say. Sh- say for sure she keeps she kept saying what are you gonna do what's the next plan you know what's and I had no idea but I I knew that it was time for a change and that if I wasn't gonna make that change at that age of almost 50 I mean I was 48 when I sold my business that it was never gonna happen so I took that risk and it was uber stressful because I you know I, I it's not like I was independently wealthy and could just I, I had to like know that I had another career path but I also knew that I had to make this the, the space around me and the intention that I was going to be doing something sort of more meaningful for me so I don't know if that really answers the, the question because we We didn't have a lot of the problems you might have had because we didn't plot it out so much. Like we,
1: yeah. And it sounds like you you take it in steps, right? You like bite off, you know, as much as you can chew—no pun intended—at a time, and then, (laughs) and then, um, and then it evolves, right? And it sounds like that's an amazing plan because you can manage it as it grows and then you know hopefully more people get involved and then you'll take that next step like you mentioned the greenhouse and so I'm, I'm assuming if you get a greenhouse that just makes operation bigger and then you know you'll tackle the things sort of one thing at a time um i i was wondering if like do other farmers do you guys collaborate at all like say there's a dairy farm or um, i don't know like a a livestock farm or something. Do uh, do you guys get together around food
0: insecurity at all? There's a lot of groups, and I'm sure it's the same everywhere. You know, there's various groups to talk about. There's a food food council. There's like you know any you know all the people that in the community can join and talk about how we can reach the people that aren't getting reached. How we can you know get more food out there. How we can you know, increased production and we do, I mean, I know all of a lot of the local farmers and yes, I mean, I had a dairy farmer, he wanted to donate some milk and it didn't end up happening, but yeah, we we are we always willing to take donations from other farmers if they have excess. You have the distribution channel in place with the pantries and the summer lunch programs and, and the low-income housing and all of that. So um, we love love collaborating with with our community i mean that's one of the so important like everyone working together to feed you know feed people like yeah and actually i'm like seeing it's, it's 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 amazing it's amazing the the need and then the number of people that that are out there helping and all of the things that they sort of can be done um so i mean you know my journey is just my journey but like i mean i want to you know and it is possible because I know I mean for many years I knew that I wanted to do something but then I was finally at one point I was ready to sort of make that leap um, and, and it kind of happened um, have, but, have you have you um,
1: faced um, have you faced any challenges with um, you know we all hear rumors about shortage in organic seeds or fertilizer or things like that have you faced Challenges like that.
0: Well, here and I'm going to stop this share now, I, and I'll just say, and then I'll answer your question, Christina. I'm going to stop this share. If anyone wanted the presentation, they're more than welcome to it. But otherwise, of course, um, you know, to connect with me, it's you. You guys have my contact information. And I can I can put it in the chat too. Um, we I was really lucky with the seeds um, that. I planned and had a lot of seeds, but there's definitely a shortage. Um what's beautiful with the with the nonprofit is you can get one of the easiest things to get donated are seeds. I was able to get a lot of seed donations. They're not always what you want, but they really help me out, and then I supplement with the things that I really want. Um, um so yeah we were we've been lucky you know they there's been shortages apparently because of like what's happening in Ukraine with like fertilizer and and amendments but we, we haven't experienced that luckily when we first started like the for when COVID first started it was hard to get like supplies and things like that but it's it's seems it's mostly everything's pretty much available, just more expensive right now is what it, it seems like. And and we are, I know you asked me you asked me where I was located and we do employ people on the farm and it it is very tricky to find qualified employees because it's a low paid job and you know it, it's in and if they're very qualified then they're most likely going out to, to start their own farm unless they're you know we have we have wonderful people on the farm but it's it's the challenge it's finding finding the right employees and being able to pay them as yeah. well um, yeah
1: well, I mean, this has just been amazing. Um, I I know that you said veggies to table.org is the name of the organization. Um, is it okay if I share your email address with everybody? that's healthy. that's Erica at veggiestotable.org. Um, uh, and we can share that with anyone. Does anyone have any other questions that they want to ask Erica?
2: Um, Erica, when you how long did it actually take you to get to a point where you were growing enough food to really begin donating?
0: Um, um, we immediately, like the first season, we donated 4,000 um, pounds. So yeah. it was like, a, it was a few months, um, like it was, it was a ton of work with a lot of people, but um uh yeah i think we went from 4 to 11,000 in the second year to 16,000 in the third year and now we're in our fourth year so we will we'll see how that goes but yeah it was it was yeah i had a really amazing farmer and i have mentors and people that that helped me out um So yeah, it
2: it happened with a lot of work pretty quickly. Um, I'll just say that it's an amazing, um, amazing work that you do. And uh, um, it's just, it blows me away because it's something that is so necessary and yet, uh, and it blesses so many people, but it also blesses you and the people that are involved. And it's kind of like when human nature does the things that are caring for each other, how things, you know, uh, are that much greater in good than not. I mean, it's it's not really the way I want to say it, but um, it's just, it's great. So I appreciate the effort and... uh, And uh, it's just a, it's a nice model to, to know about and, you know, for people who are looking for some sort of a change to do something like that, Um, because there's nothing worse. I mean, every single person should be able to have food and uh, it's, that's the just, that's a basic need, food water, you know. And we have to take care of each other. All of us have to take care of each other. So, yeah, no, I think it's,
0: and I think what a lot of people, you know, we just don't, I didn't realize is, you know, these are just people just like us. And it's not because they're lazy and it's not because they're stupid. It's because maybe they've fallen on hard times because they have a health problem or they lost their job or they're caring for someone and they can't work or, or they grew up in poverty and it's so hard to get out of poverty when you grow up in poverty, you know, that generational poverty. So the people that I've met through this are just amazingly beautiful, smart people. And, you know, they just need that bit of help. So we can just give them a little bit of dignity and a little bit of joy and help, you know, doing our little, knowing that our little piece is, you know, part of, a greater whole, I guess, is, is you
2: know, nice. Well, think of all the people that have been served by you that will then go off. They'll remember that, you know, and they know that that's an important element of their own lives that they need to share with other people, or they'll feel compelled to share with other people and, and uh, you know, maybe do something similar to what you did. And that's and, uh, great.
0: Yeah. And I think a lot of home gardeners, you know, they, they, you know, give away their food and, you know, we take, we'll take food from anyone and add it into what we're giving away. So, but I think that the people that volunteer on the farm just today, we had, a, we have our two French one nephews here and they're volunteering on the farm and I sent them off to the pantry, one of the, the pantry in our town. To see what we're doing, so they they harvested the food, they brought it to the pantry, they served the people, and they came back. Well, they came back right when this started, but I heard them like, "Wow, it was amazing!" You know, you know. It's just seeing that full circle and seeing, you know. But
1: uh, one of the pieces that was so resonant for me um, is in in your transition was um, to something that really felt purposeful and meaningful and I would love to know in the arc of the typical day what percentage of things that come up on your calendar that you have to do you look forward to and what percentage is oh gosh this is just sort of like part of the operations that I've just got to do it because um, I I feel like we've sort of accepted in America that work is drudgery, and I don't think we need to accept that. I think you're a great example of that. And yet it also doesn't mean that it's all smooth sailing. So I would just be curious for your insights on that.
0: Well, what I would say is I think I like just about what, everything that I'm doing, except that I worked 90 hours last week, and I'm not exaggerating. I, I, so there's too much of what I'm doing. <laughs> so I look forward to all of it, but I feel like I'm being pulled in many directions because uh, since I'm sort of executive director doing the entire fundraising, everything for the farm, like, you know, like in terms of behind the scenes of running the nonprofit, but then I am the most experienced person in terms of the whole running of the farm operations. And then I have this cultural blog on Paris that I also still curate and have a whole team. Um, It's kind of crazy, but it's what it is. It's too much. And I like all of it, but it's too much. So I'm trying to get to a point where there's a bit less of the too much. That said, I don't really think, there's only a few things on the farm that I don't like to do. And those I sort of pawn off on other people because like I have a bad back, so I can't do some of those tasks. And in terms of the nonprofit, I really, I, I, I enjoy what I'm doing. I, I really enjoy what I'm doing. And I'm and I, and I'm not, that's not an exaggeration. So it's just too much of what I'm doing, (laughs) put it that way. Yeah,
1: well, thank you again, Erica. This has just been amazing. Um, Again, VeggieToTable.org for anyone who wants information and um, just a couple of the last minute housekeeping things. Our next event is September 13th. That's mindfulness and our relationship with money. I think that will be a very um, interesting talk um and i hope everyone enjoys the rest of their summer and erica thank you so much if anyone wants to reach out to erica please do so or you can give us a ring and we can connect connect with you know you with her um and thank you again
0: oh you're welcome thank you everyone for coming i really appreciate it we hope you enjoyed this episode To listen to past podcast episodes, and to see our calendar of upcoming events, visit our website, empower-women.com. You're also invited to join us on September 13th for our next event, Mindfulness in Our Relationship with Money, led by Lauren Lanning. Hightower Advisors, LLC, is an SEC-registered
1: investment advisor. Securities are offered through Hightower Securities LLC,
0: member FINRA and SIPC. Hightower Advisors LLC or any of its affiliates do not provide tax or legal advice. This material is not intended or written to provide and should not be relied upon or used as a substitute for tax or legal advice. Information contained herein does not consider an individual's or entity-specific circumstances or applicable governing law, which may vary from jurisdiction to jurisdiction, and be subject to change. Clients are urged to
2: consult with their tax or legal advisor for related questions.